Okay, great. Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Polinoff. I am the uh, editor and chief cook and bottle washer, I guess you'd say, for mptrader.com. And as a matter of fact, in February of 2001, 2001, we started MP Trader. So uh, it's pretty amazing. 20 years has gone by so fast, but it is what it is. And um, it's, uh, I'm glad I'm still standing, as it were. Lots of markets, lots of craziness, and uh, I'll try to impart some of my uh, experience and wisdom <laughs> to you along the way. Uh, I use TradeStation, as you probably already noticed, and I'm opening my bond and interest rate uh, platform where I have all my uh, bond and interest rate charts, and I'm glad you start whoever uh, wrote in. TLT started off with that because uh, my perception of everything that's going on in the markets is either jaded or informed by my long my long term view of ten year Treasury yield. And after this this loads, uh, I'll show you that. In the meantime, uh, this is what the website looks like: mptrader.com. And uh, if you, click on room uh, all day long, starting very early in the day, uh, myself, as well as our members, either converse with me on the platform or converse with one another or post their own comments or post their own um, charts. And let's see if uh, that was yesterday. Let's just, I'll just show you the first entry I had today. So this was this morning. Good morning. I said we have earnings uh, from Amazon and Google less than an hour from now. And then we have some economic data. And tomorrow we have jobs. Then I go through what my perception is of this, this uh, post-Powell pivot, even though he didn't probably intend it to be a pivot. It turned out to be a pivot. Anyway, I explain what I think is going on and where my, you can click on the chart and it and it uh, enlarges it. And if uh, in my work above, this is this is the E-mini futures contract, the uh, March contract above 4180, which was which was last seen on December 13th of last year. We had a CPI and a spike higher, better than that is a lower than expected CPI. But the market reversed in a big way. And to me, that was a seminal moment, a pivot point above which my work turned from bearish to neutral, and which in fact happened today, although we haven't closed yet. Anyway, so as the day goes on, people write in, I put in more, you can see my picture, MJP, and I put in comments, stocks, uh, and then I take requests and on and on and on, and it's a running uh, dialogue as well as a running diary from, I would say, Eastern time, about seven o'clock, sometimes earlier, to four to five o'clock in the afternoon. And by that time, um, basically good for nothing. And then, uh, and then I uh, get some rest until I do it all over again the next day. In the meantime, reading as much as I can read and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's mptrader.com. And let's get back to TLT. All right. So here's the TLT. All right. So, so apart from the fact that you probably, if you've never seen my charts before, some of them 
I put, I overlay all the um, data entries, uh, critical data entries, like in the case of TLT, which is a reflection of the long end of the bond market, uh, the Fed meetings, Fed minutes, uh, economic data that that could have an impact on this, on this, on the price action, and so forth. So I overlay that, and the chart turns out to be a little busy, but after you get used to it, it sort of makes sense. So you can see where price is in relation to economic data and event risk, as it were. Okay, so as I look at this chart, uh, and we'll we'll expand it in a, in a minute or so, what I see is in October, uh, November, we had a major low, double bottom, as it were. And of course, no one knew what it would be then, except uh, I had some ideas for my longer term yield charts that we were in an area 450 in yield where perhaps we could see a low in price and that being the TLT. So anyway, the way I view this chart is that we have a seven month period of accumulation as it were, uh, really from September um, to maybe even before to now. And here we are, this was yesterday right here where my cursor is. And that, that was the FOMC meeting and press conference from yesterday where the market apparently thinks that uh, Powell uh, caved to just an intense pressure by the market to lead the Fed. And you would never hear me say that the market is wrong and I'm not gonna say it now. The market, as far as I'm concerned, is always right. Uh, of course, when you have algos and all sorts of strange you know, things happening, uh, occasionally there's a short-term blip that reverses or corrects itself. But in general, the market is a reflection of mass psychology. And mass psychology on this chart is telling us they're accumulating bonds, interest rates are coming down. Now, that uh, dark red line, horizontal line across the screen at, uh, let's call it 110, if tomorrow's jobs data shows any inkling towards disinflation, either in the number of jobs added or in a real surprise, lost jobs, uh, and coupled with some wage, lower wage component, average hourly earnings on an annualized basis coming down from 4.6 to 4.3 or lower, that'll add more fuel to the fire that inflation is less of a problem and perhaps recession is more of a problem. Now that combination is music to this chart's ears. So it's conceivable that tomorrow we take out 110 and my next target is 115 to 117.50. Now, on the other hand, if, uh, if, if it comes in stronger than expect, let's say we have 250,000 or 300,000 additions to payrolls, if we break 103, uh, 105, that will be the first real big warning. And 103 will be the second warning that, oops, uh, maybe the Powell pivot isn't really a pivot at all. And maybe, you know, there's a problem. And that Powell is just waiting for the market to blow itself out and say, okay, back to reality. We're going to some other, <laughs> you know, interest rates need to stay higher for longer. And the short end is a slightly ahead of itself. Okay. Anyway, that's the TLT. So right now, my bias is to the long side, unless it breaks like 105.30, 105.40, 105.50, 105.60, 105.70, 105.80, 105.80, 105.90, 105.91, 105.92, 105.93, 105.94, 105.95, 105.96, 105.97, 105.98, 105.99
around there. And then I have to think about what, what the market's telling us now. So this chart is the yield chart. 10-year yield goes back to the bear market low. Now, we had a 40-year bear market in yield from 1980 down to, uh, which was up at like 15%. And uh, I think I started my career right at the high uh, in 1980-82. And here, here we are at four-tenths of 1% at the pandemic bear market low in yield, four-tenths of 1%. Since then, however, 10-year yield looks to me as though we finished an up leg, not a bull market in yield, but the first up leg in a bull market, four-tenths of a percent to 4.4%, let's call it. Now, the question is, what is this on the way down? Now, yield has come down from 4.4 to today's low is 3.3. And if unemployment tomorrow it triggers an up move in the TLT, which by definition, will trigger a down move in yield, then yield will break the 200-day moving average, which right now is at 335, let's call it. And then this green box and the brown box under it is about as far down as I expect yield to go. Optimally, I think it probably will stop somewhere between this gap in here, like 317, maybe it gets to 307, 308. But in an, an acute situation, I think it could go down to uh, the 280s, which in terms of this chart would be about a 38% Fibonacci retracement. Just so happens that in the past, when we've had these setups at the highs in yield, the highs in the legs in yield, that there's been a time frame like a cycle that's, that's, um, proven itself, unveiled itself. And the next cycle turn was anywhere from the, you know, March, I'm sorry, January 24th to February 16th. So of course, you know, we're right in the middle of that now, but yield looks like if it can't hold the 200 day, that it's the low in time will be closer to the 16th of February and probably closer to 3%. Now, what does that mean? Let me just expand this one more time and then we'll get to more questions. I want to show you my monthly yield chart. All right. So my monthly yield chart goes back. Well, there it is. I don't need to tell you how far it goes back because I'll expand it. You can see how far. All right. So monthly yield goes back to this chart goes back to May of 1984. And you can see the downtrend. You can see the low at four tenths of a percent that we discussed. We can see a major downtrend um, trend line that is that cuts through the price axis now or when it when we were breaking to the upside at around 260 and we then took off took out the highs going back to 2012 at three three twenty three and a quarter and here's that peak at 337 we discussed a few minutes ago the pullback the decline from 437 to 330 so far, that's what this is right here, this little blip. Now, if this chart holds true to traditional form, then this pullback is a correction after this first up leg. And wherever it exhausts itself, there's going to be a second up leg in yield in a new bull market in yield that's going to rip. And I, I don't know what the world is going to look like. We can, we can back into that as time goes on. But I don't know whether the low is going to be 320, uh, 280. Or at an extreme, it retests the extension of this uh, this former 
resistance line 230 i don't know but right now momentum on the uh on the monthly is still pointed down and there's still some some territory for 10-year yield to drop which also tells me there's territory for up for the up move in the tlt and i'll leave it there because uh other people have questions so we'll go to dvn oh boy all right let's get into uh let me load my my energy charts which so it it it's appears uh somewhat obvious i think that all the all you had to do all the market had to do was fire the starting gun for technology with perception that rates were going to come down so technology's gone bananas on the upside and what has taken the brunt of the hit of course is energy now um so there are various ways to look at energy right now one is that if the bond market is telling us there we sh that a soft landing excuse me is unlikely and maybe it's going to be a harder landing than that well energy demand there's going to be demand destruction by the economy in addition to that you have what are the forces that are trying to reduce demand well, OPEC's trying to reduce demand. Uh, the administration has tried to reduce demand in their own sort of strange way. But chances are, if there's a perception that there's, there's a recession going on, that reducing the number of barrels produced will not compensate for perception that the economy is going to slow because we don't know how slow it will be. Just the lag effect of uh, 450 basis points of interest rate hikes in 12 months, we, that's never happened before. So at least in the modern economy, so we don't know what the lag effect will be or the impact, how, how bad the impact will be. On the other hand, you have China. And for the last two weeks, for the most part, all we hear is that China's reopening and how great it is for everything and everyone. Yet the energy market can't get out of its own way. Sorry it takes so long to load. I you know, the when we do these uh, Zoom uh, setups, it seems like it, Zoom slows down the whole process. But anyway, they're coming. In the meantime, um, so just as a, as a, as a sidelight, years ago, I had did, done a study on RSI, and I, I came to the conclusion based on the study that the most sensitive period was 11 uh, rather than the CAN 114. So that's what I, that's why I use uh, 11 rather than 14. So back to China. So China is supposed to open and supposed to demand maybe a million barrels a day more than is in demand now. But that that uh, the perception of China versus the perception of a recession seem to be unequal right now. And that the recessionistas, as they are, as they were, are winning the day. Now, of course, the wild card could be Russia. Uh, and the war in Ukraine, and we don't know how that will play out. So the risk, I think, is that maybe oil has at $70, has $10 of risk in it, and 40 to 50 on the upside. Question is, um, do you stick with Devin and Halliburton? Uh, in my mind, you do. Uh, of course, everyone has their stop level, and that's that's a different issue. Risk management, personal risk management is different. But in terms of the perception of, of Devin and Hal, mine is that these, these companies are going to make money and continue to make money, even at $60 a barrel, and that it won't stay there. Now, if we're 
if you know if we're talking about 10 years from now i suspect that you know the fossil fuel industry will look very different in 10 years but for the next 18 to 24 months my sense is that uh there's going to be a lot of volatility in fossil fuels and we've come we're coming from a multi-month period where we've had relentless decline from 120 130 down to 70 75 and i think we're closer to the end of this move than the you know than the middle uh and if this chart these charts would um hurry up uh we'll look at devon and hal come on so as they load you can see this the uh, charts that uh that i keep in the i mean that's probably one of the reasons this, <laughs> this particular um energy sector loads so slowly is because probably i have way too many charts in the background uh, but that's neither here nor there. We we're, uh, we are in the middle of loading these things now. Um, so anyway, um, while we're talking about energy, so so Exxon came out with you know, blowout earnings and the whole nine yards. I guess it was two days ago or yesterday morning. It was one day in the last couple of days, and so. So Exxon spiked to a new high for the move and then has come back sharply. Uh, it seems to me that that uh, come on that Exxon is setting up another buy for another uplift. The chart loads. I'd be happy to share it with you. Let's see. And then here, use another screen, Matt, so I can start talking. So one second. All right, Devin. So I'm going to talk about Devin um, while the charts load, so we can. Um, and I'm going to use a, a different. A different uh, computer that's that I have access to for a different kind of work, um, but anyway, uh, Devin. So Devin is sitting right around sixty dollars. Right. If you look, if you look at Devin from an intermediate term perspective, so it hit hit a low of five dollars, believe it or not, in uh, in March of twenty twenty at the pandemic low, and then proceeded to go up to eighty, and that eighty high was uh, roughly June of twenty two six months ago, seven months ago. So for seven months, Devin has has traversed a range from 80 to 50, back to 78 or so, back down to 56, 57, then most recently up to 65, 66, and back, back down to 60. And that's where it is now. To me, when you look at the big picture from the pandemic low, the move from five to, to 80 is a completed up leg, followed by a sideways digestion period for seven months so far. To me, this is a bullish digestion period unless Devin breaks $50, $48. Then the digestion period becomes a top. In fact, I would say this, that if Devin breaks 56 and a half, that will be the first warning sign that instead of a sideways digestion period, Devin actually is looking more toppy, but the confirmation of the top will be a break of about $48. For me, as long as at least 56 contains contains any additional weakness, I am looking for Devin. It may come down to 58 again. And if it does and turns up, I'm looking for Devin to take off from the completion of that digestion period from June of 22 and to take off and to make new highs. That would mean that Devin would go to somewhere from 55 to 60 on a low uh, to 85 to 90 at the high. And that's the way it looks to me from Devin. Halliburton, it's unbelievable how long it's taking these charts to, well, all right. So from my other, 
from my other um, chart package on a different computer. So similar to Devin, as you might imagine, because Hal is also in the energy sector, it hit a low of under $5, maybe 460 back in um, March of 2020. So it went from under five to a high of about 44. And that occurred in June of 22 also. Now, to me, this is a different pattern after the June of 22 high, a different pattern in Hal than we saw in Devon. So Devon had a, just got slammed um, from June into the end of September down to 23, $23. So 44 and change down to 23 and change. And since then, looks to me as though Devon has started a new, a new bull phase, the first high of which occurred last week at, um, at around 40, what is that, around 43 and change. Now what Devin is doing, I'm sorry, now what Hal is doing is pulling back, and I don't expect it to pull back lower than $36, after which I think it'll embark on another up leg to new highs above above 44. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it hit 48 to 50. Let's see what else. What time is it? Okay, so we have after after the um, after the close today, we have Amazon. And we have Google. Now, the two of those could could take the NASDAQ up with the QQQs up even higher. And um, my next target for the Qs, 313 to 317. So, it, and the Qs are trading at 310, 19, 20 at the moment. So, that, so I'm looking at that as another catalyst for the, this uh, crazy, fantastic in the, in the big techs, big techs. Let's see if switch pages can't switch pages either. What a shame. Well, um, so anyone else have any um, any questions? Like in terms of the spider. <clears throat> so in, ter ter in terms of the spider, as long as the spies sustain above 409.70 or so, I'm thinking this the spies are going to their neck. The next target is going to be 420 to 422. And if the, if it takes that out, I think we're going to 430 to 432. If that's the case, I have to believe that tomorrow's economic data will be um, will be market bullish. In other words, the data will be weak. It'll be our first inkling that Powell's perception that higher for longer is not the right one. It'll vindicate the the short term Treasury market that says no way Fed funds gets to even 5%, that they're done. And the other day on, on uh, CNBC, Rick Santelli was saying that he thought that this would, we would look back on this hike as the final one. And if tomorrow's data are weak, then I think that he'll end up being correct, that the final one for a while. And I guess uh, Professor Jeremy Siegel will do his victory laps He's been screaming that uh, Fed funds or short-term rates are going to be where, I'm sorry, inflation will be back at 2% um, before long, which is hard for me to believe. I think probably now that the, what we discussed earlier about the monthly bond yield chart is telling me that the next up move in bond yields after we get a pullback to wherever, 330, 320, 280 will be uh, above four and a half, pretty much five, five and a quarter or higher. 
what the world will look like then, I don't know, but um, either inflation is going to rear its ugly head, uh, growth is going to rear its, its wonderful head, uh, there's going to be some sort of crisis or there'll be some sort of crisis with the full, the, the full faith and credit of the U.S. Treasury in that there'll be that this won't be your run of the mill 12th hour uh, decision to raise the debt limit. Somehow there'll be a loss of confidence that will create a run on the, I mean, a, uh, a plunge, an exodus from the dollar that will rip bonds to the upside. That scenario I don't think is out of, you know, out of this world, believe it or not. I really don't think, not with $32 trillion of debt. And China, Russia, Iran, uh, India, North Korea, all conspiring to do transactions outside of um, the dollar currency. And slowly but surely, maybe more more rapidly than we think, they're creating a competitor to King Dollar. And it's not it's not in the best interest of the dollar to have that happen. Okay, GLD. So I guess my discussion of the dollar uh, also could pique your interest in the GLD. Now, you know, the dollar index bounced today um, from about 100 to uh, 101 and high change. And my work on the dollar, and if these charts ever load, I could show you my work on the dollar. But my work on the dollar argues that for the first time, we're having a momentum non-confirmation on the downside from the dollar's peak at 114 and change last year, late last year, to one to 100. And that's the first indication that this down move of 14, 15% is exhausted. And if that's the case, we're going to get a bounce in the dollar. The question is the magnitude of the bounce. Right now, on a short-term basis, unless dollar index DXY can climb above 102.50 to 102.75, the initial resistance from where it will go to 106, if it can get over the 102.50 to 75 area, then I think we have a an up move in the dollar that will be detrimental to the G, to GLD and the and the miners and and um, and the metals in general. So, but there are two ways to look at this. One is that the fact that there's a non-confirmation is a warning, and GLD was down for a reason today, and that I think is part of the warning. However, if you want confirmation that the GLD this up move from 150 to 182 or so is done, is complete, I think you need to wait to see if the dollar can climb above 102.50 to 102.75 to get confirmation. If we're just looking at the GLD and you say to yourself, where do I stop myself out? Where do I have that line in the sand to make a decision? 106.90 is the place where I would put that line in the sand. And right now we're at uh, 177.96. So about a dollar under here, well, not really, about $2 under here is where I would have my line in the sand. And that I would attach to where the dollar index is, depending on where it's trading, whether or not it's above 102.50 to 102.75. So the two things are sort of attached. On the other hand, if you don't want to wait around for that morning where GLD gaps down because the dollar is gapped up for whatever reason, then you should probably get out of half your position here and 
tomorrow, tomorrow, if there's weakness in those job in the jobs data, the dollar should go back down, dollar index, and GLD should go back up. The question is whether or not the dollar takes out its 100 and change low, and whether the GLD takes out its high. And if there's weak data tomorrow, and the bond market reacts very favorably to it, but the dollar seems to be stuck around 100 or higher, and GLD is stuck under 180, my sense will be that those markets are exhausted. In other words, the GLD uplift from 150 to 182 is exhausted and needs a, needs a rest. And the dollar index needs a rest also um, in the form of a rally. So that's the way I would view that. And look, viewing the, so if the TLTs take off and they're above 110 and there's no uh, corresponding moves, directional moves in the dollar and the, and the gold, then I think those markets are telling us that they're tired and they need a rest. And there'll be a pullback in GLD. Where would that pullback? I think the pullback to 170, 168 would be the next buying opportunity in the GLD. I, I, it's unbelievable that this program, if I could abort it and respond. Well, my apologies to everyone. Yeah. So let's see what Meta is with 20 minutes left in the session. <sighs> I had so many great charts to show you. <laughs> As you can tell, I have many. Uh, how great they are. You'd have to decide, but um, holy cow, it take long to. And I wanted to show you futures. What is this now? <laughs> this thing. <laughs> Let's see what's going on on the website. People are writing about here. P Trader. Oh well, I signed off, and um, and everybody is uh, quiet. Uh, here's the VIX. This was my last entry on the VIX, and you can see the VIX. The VIX was going up this afternoon while. The market was going down, and then the market had a, a bit of a dip, confirming the VIX. If the VIX closes above one nine, uh, closes above nineteen fifteen, and or grinds through, chews through this resistance area between nineteen fifteen and twenty and a quarter, uh, then I think we will have a confirmed low in the VIX. And uh, this would not be a good sign for the market. It would tell us that, in fact, uh, fear is back. And that people want protection uh, because they think the market has gotten ahead of itself, the stock market, the cash S&P, um, or for whatever reason. Um, but this this down move from the uh, August, I'm sorry, the uh, September, October highs looks like it's complete. Although I expected today's action, usually when you're in a bull move in the, S in the S&P, the VIX um, intra-week if, if the S&P is strong, it usually means the VIX is going to um, press lower into Friday's close. So I was expecting this morning that the VIX would roll over from under this 1915 level and hit a new low tomorrow with the market, with the uh, S&P making new highs for the move. Maybe uh, perhaps in, in reaction to the unemployment and the jobs group. So that's still on the table, but after today's up movement late in the day in the VIX, something fishy is going on. So you have to, we have to keep that in, uh, in our minds. Uh, let's see. So I had looked earlier in the day at, at Kathy Wood ARC fund, which really has taken it on the chin, obviously. It was down 82% from its all-time high. Uh, where was that? I have to go back and look at the chart, but let's see are these charts ready yet. But anyway, Kathy Woods, this 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 looks like a a potential base 
big base pattern. And of course, she's here. Here are her positions, her biggest position in Tesla. And Tesla has had quite the run from 100 to uh, 195 in uh, just a few couple of weeks. So, um, so a lot of these stocks that she's in finally blasted off. And based on this, the the way the pattern has unfolded, if it can get through 446.30, I think the next move is to 53.50 to 53. And that's where we're going to separate the wheat from the chaff, as they say, in in ARC. Because if ever ARC trades above 54, this will be a massive base that is seven, eight months in the making, and it will have staying power. And I guess so will she after having a two-year, just a terrible two-year period. So I had mentioned earlier that tomorrow we could be headed for a quadruple bagger. Well, first we had the Fed, then we had bullish meta. Tonight we have Amazon and Google if they follow, if they follow suit. And maybe we'll have the first deflationary data point from the, from the labor market tomorrow and those are the four things that uh, could really lead to some serious further upside in the markets. Let's see. So, so this this is the this is a chart of the E Mini S and P and uh, March futures uh, minis that is. And so you see the breakout today it went higher than this. This was from earlier this morning, but uh, we took out the trend line that goes all the way back to the January highs. Now it's starting to look and before it broke above the trend line and before it took out the December 13th high, it looked like another another powerful rally, recovery rally in a bear market, all defined beneath this trend line that goes back to like June 4th. I mean, sorry, January 4th, 2022. That changed yesterday and today. Now it's morphed itself more into a base than a recovery rally. And that base could have very serious upside. However, I have to give the benefit of the doubt that it's still some sort of recovery rally, albeit a big one, where you get equidistant moves would be the October, December move. Then you had an intervening pullback and that the equidistant move would take you up in you know, the 4350, 4450 area. And then right when everybody is super bullish, take it tanks again for whatever reason. Now, if I juxtapose this scenario that I just went through with my 40-year yield chart, uh, I can come to the conclusion that if yield pivots off of, for argument's sake, 3.10% 3, 3 and heads higher with a vengeance for whatever reason, you can see how this period would end up, we'd look like back at it as a bear market rally and it would be due south thereafter. But right now, this is what we have. We have all these highs through here that we took out today. Uh, I don't know if we're going to close above them, but um, but tomorrow would be the, the key day, Friday after the jobs report, the end of the week on a Friday close ahead of the weekend. Who wants to be long? Who wants to dump the the stocks that aren't performing who wants to get in to the the FOMO trade fear of missing out on the technology run all these all these questions if if they haven't been answered yet institutional investors are going to have to answer them tomorrow if the market is on the move on the upside 
Okay, one more time. Let's see. <laughs> well, once again, I am eternally sorry that uh, next time I do this, David, I will make sure that I have, let's say, just 20 charts on one page, load it once at the beginning of this of the webinar, and we'll go from there. Yeah, uh, I, I understand it. It happens. <laughs> There's always, always going to be some tech issues. Would um, Would you be able to just like, Bring up stock charts on your computer and use that you know, temporarily. I'm sure it doesn't have all your, you know, everything you usually look at. But or I, I could share my screen and just bring up the charts, Let's see. the symbols you want to look at. That was a good idea. I should have thought of it too. Let's. Um, you see the two-year yield chart? Uh, no, I just see a bunch of stuff like it's trying to load still. Oh, you might. Um, did you switch over to your browser those stock charts? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, you might have to stop your share. Here, let me. Um, okay, now now try resharing oh. the stock chart screen. You see my T. Okay. Chart. Yeah. I, yeah, I see it now. So let's take a. You see, point and figure Apple. Let's. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's just look at one energy chart. So you can see the XOP, which is the exploration side of the of the energy sector, is has been in a sideways move also since June. It's it's on a minor sell signal here, nothing real. Um, if I put in, so this is Halliburton from a big picture perspective, and it certainly doesn't look great at the moment, but it's pulling back and into this 35 area. That's the key level in Halliburton to see what happened with the charts, all these annotations on here. All right, well, you can see all the, um, it's fun. Ah, wow. Do you see, David, do you see the, the charts filling in on? Uh no, we're still seeing Halliburton. Oh, you are? You'd have so, to uh, stop your share again and switch back. Do you want me to do that? Yeah, please. Okay. Yeah, you should be able to do a new share now. It's like it was clogged. All of a sudden, it freed. So, see that? Uh, it's March loading. March. Okay. Yeah, now. March uh, crude, oil. crude oil? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, anyway, so uh, so any, this this is my four-hour chart of March crude. You can You can see that. Um, it tried numerous times for the past two months to try to get through $82, $83, couldn't do it. And now it's fighting for its life along this trend line at 75 If it breaks 75 for whatever reason, it will be back at 70 And that will be um, a tricky place for, for crude oil. You see, now it's, it's frozen on the, on the crude oil chart. <sighs> so, David, when can I do this again? <laughs> um, check my any blue slide. boxes available <laughs> yeah um yeah the next one is uh, uh i got a couple spots open on two weeks on on the 16th oh yeah let's do that um because what i'll do is i'll rearrange my charts to make sure this doesn't happen and uh, they'll load fast and be much better okay yeah that sounds good so every 16 i'll send well, you folks the well, folks, I'm sorry, but uh, looks like I've uh, I'm totally frozen now in this chart, and um, I don't want to just okay. leave it there. Yeah, we can we can stop here. So, if you 